You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. This week we have with us Pastor Darren Enns. How you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. I feel like it's been a while. I know, right? And especially with all three of us being back together, Pastor Drew Tarwater. If you're not, you can't see this, but he's rocking the St. Louis hat. Hey, man, baseball season is back, and it's Easter week. Let's go. Right, and I'm Rob Blasey. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions or thoughts as you're listening, email them to us at life at forefrontchurch.tv. So today we're going to recap the cross. Drew, can you start off, start us off with recapping the cross? Yeah, we spent yesterday or Sunday talking through the cross and just discuss, you know, discussing why it was important for Jesus to go to the cross. It's one of those topics that a lot of people will wonder, why did this really need to happen? And so I think it's important for us to understand the foundation that is laid before us in the Bible and God's word on why we needed Jesus to go to the cross for us to pay the penalty for our sin. And so we talked about atonement yesterday. And so I think today we spend a little bit of time talking about this concept, this doctrine or theory of atonement. And and just the definition, Rob, is the idea of atonement is it's, it's the process by which a person removes obstacles to our reconciliation with God. And so we talked about this idea of substitutionary atonement, and there's quite a few theories in and around that that'll be fun to pick at today. So then, uh, Darren, what's the, uh, why do we need atonement? What is atonement necessary for? Yeah, I would add to that what Drew just said. The atonement is, is a made-up word um, that that isn't really found in Hebrew, Greek, or English other than the, what we use it for. So it's if you break it up, it's at one mint. So oh. it's it's the idea that we are at one with God, that we are righteous before God, and so it's it's however that happens, we need it because as we know, there is something wrong with this world. There's something wrong with each one of us that there are broken relationships, that there is stuff that happens in this world that that it shouldn't be, and um, and th- this is a, a a fresh experience for me on um, last Friday. Uh, I traveled to Oklahoma where my wife's grandpa was not doing well. Um, he was essentially in, in hospice and he was, he was close to, to going to meet Jesus. And as I sat there looking at him, he was pretty much non-responsive. He was in some pain. I, I broke down because I'm like, this shouldn't, this isn't right. Like this, this pain that, that my grandpa is experiencing and, and that he's on his deathbed, that this, this is not how it's supposed to be. And I just it kind of rocked me in a new place. Cause I don't know if I've been, if I've seen someone that close to dying in, in my life until that point. And he passed away then about six hours later. Um, and I just like, I cried, I wept. I'm like, God, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And, and there's something wrong with this world that, that needs that God needs to step in and solve. There's evil in this world. And, and it's, it's our fault. It's human's fault 
as Genesis 3 describes it, Genesis 2 and 3. And so there's something that needs to happen for death to be taken care of, because that's not how it's supposed to be. Humanity was not created to die. Humanity was created to live and thrive and eat from the tree of life, you know, um, metaphorically speaking from those biblical stories. So there's something that, that we need that God needs to provide for us, and it's, it's setting us free from our own evil that we've brought into this world. Um, and I think that's how I, I would explain why we really need atonement, why we need atonement. No, it's interesting to think about too. So on the word atonement, is it is the atone is the word atonement actually used in the Bible? I you know there I should we should look this up. There is a word somewhere <laughs> in Greek, but we 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 translate it into okay. English as atonement. And atonement is only used in Christian circles. Like that's not something I think okay. Drew's looking it up right now or something. But the the, the word <laughs> atonement as we use it in Christianity is only used in Christianity. Now there was the day of atonement in the old Testament law, right? That would have been, you know, one of the types and shadows that would have pointed towards Jesus. You know, the other word that we'll often see is the word propitiation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first John two, two, it says that he, Jesus himself is the propitiation for our sins. So, you know, like the satisfying payment, um, similar idea, but you know, the idea of atonement really is that, you know, how do we atone for the sin of the world, which gets back to, I think, Rob, your, your big question here is why is the atonement necessary? And, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's to atone for sin. Well, there's this thing we, we talk about from time to time is concept of God's wrath and that, you know, God is all holy and just, and as an all holy and, and just God, who is a God of love, the flip side of the coin is that there is judgment against sin. And so this God's idea of God's wrath, it's not retribution against the fact that we've offended God. It's righteous judgment against evil and against sin because of God's righteousness. Yeah, I would say on the, the we, we use the word on the judgment day when Jesus returns and, and he is the righteous judge none of us are going to be able to create a case against any of his judgments because it will be perfect. We will see it for what it is. And um, we, we, the thing is, a lot of people who are outside of Christian circles will look at the Bible, look at God, and, and think, well, why, how could he kill his own son? Like, what kind of God is that? How could he commit genocide against almost all the human race? How could he you know, do this, do that, and, and all these kinds of things? And, and the Bible, and I, I really like what Drew um his illustration that he used yesterday, and I see the painting hanging up here, um, he, th- there's layers to the Bible. And if you just look at one story in the Bible, you're, you're not going to see the full picture. So when, for example, in jo- the book of Joshua, when the Israelites go into the land of Canaan, they, some people look at that book and say they committed genocide against the Canaanites. Well, actually, the Canaanites are still there after the Israelites move into the land. Um, and in fact, God didn't give Abraham that land yet because the sin of the Amalekites or the sin of the Canaanites hadn't come to full measure yet. So there's this idea that, that God is allowing humanity every single possibility to turn away from evil and to repent of their sin and turn back to him. But the fact is that not everybody does, and a lot of people don't. Um, I, I talked about this in the flood, that God is good, and his goodness demands that justice be carried out. We don't want someone like... Hitler 
to get off the hook for what he did. We don't want someone who, who commits a crime that then includes something like rape or something like murder or, or you know grand larceny. We don't want those people to get off the hook. That would be unjust. And in the same way, God doesn't let people off the hook unless we come into the faith and love of Christ by which then he, through the blood of Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross, then our sins are taken away and God no longer sees those sins and we are forgiven. And that is the radical, radical thing about the cross is because we, we deserve that justice. But once we, we ask God for forgiveness, he gives us that forgiveness and we're no longer under that kind of harsh judgment and wrath. No, that's interesting to think about too, where it's like we, we think we have a good view of the world that you know our judgment as humans is is righteous when it's really even as the bible says we're not that good so mm-hmm. it's like it's coming to that first like that 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 humble step of going our view of things isn't the way things should be what's good to us is not good to an all powerful all righteous god right and what's really interesting about that idea is you know we look at the world through the lens that we have and we say, well, God, when are you going to fix the brokenness? When, why are you going to continue to allow these, you know, tornadoes to, to hit Indiana and Illinois? And when are you going to stop people from, you know, shooting schools? And when are you going to break? When, when are people going to stop getting divorced and all this stuff? Why, when's the, you going to fix it? Well, if you look at what God is telling us through the pages of the Bible is that he actually made the decision for how he was going to fix it when it originally broke, you know, it's not that God is still sitting in heaven thinking, Hmm, how should I go about this? You know, watching YouTube videos on how to change the brakes. <laughs> you know, he's it, Genesis three fifteen says that he is, he has a plan of how he's going to fix it. So that means that God's plan from the beginning was to send Jesus on a rescue mission to go to the cross and die to pay the atonement to be the payment for the sin debt that we have accumulated, past sin, present sin, and future sin. So 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sins of Adam, and he paid for the sins of Drew all at once because he was the perfect sacrifice. And if you look back through the pages of Scripture and the Old Testament Mosaic Law, you see all these all these types and shadows that pointed forward, right? You see this Day of Atonement when the... Um, you were going to have, you know, you see the, the Passover lamb, the lamb selection day where the lamb was going to go and it was going to lose its life. But then there was also a scapegoat that they would let go. And all of these little things that they did that, they, that, that were done in the law to pay for that sins for that year were pointing forward to the ultimate spotless lamb, which would be the son of God who would come and once for all pay for the sins of man. So it's a beautiful plan that God put in place. And we can look and go, God, why don't you fix the broken world? And, and God says, actually, I put that plan in place. Jesus is my plan for that. Put your faith in him and he'll begin to fix you. And once he fixes you, he'll be able to use you to begin fixing this broken world. So it's bottom up, not top down. He, he wants to fix each of us individually. So collectively as the church, we can help fix society through his power rather than God swooping in and just solving the problem all at once. He solved it with Jesus on the cross. If that makes sense. If God solved the problem all at once, there'd be no human here. There'd be no humans left. <laughs> right. Because all of us are guilty. <laughs> right. So it's, that's grace in and of itself. Right. No, that's a, that's a good thought. So as we, as we continue the discussion about atonement, what's the, uh, 
the term ransom is used a lot with the cross. Help me out with where, why is the term ransom used? So I'll, I'll start off this one. And I think with these, like, let, let me give a global overview of what we're going to talk about. So, so we've got a lot of different theories, a lot of different ways that the Bible talks about what Jesus did on the cross and in his life. Like, why did the Son of God, the Messiah, come? And, and what did he actually do? Theologically speaking, trying to rationalize it in, in our own minds, there's a lot of different theories. And, and ransom, as you mentioned, Rob, is one of those. That we were, we were held captive and the enemy was was demanding a price and that price that price is death and Jesus' death was that ransom and therefore we are set free and we are set free back in into into God um the the other one and the one that i really like uh which it it's it's a latin term called christus victor which is christ is the victor um, in this one, we are. It's similar to ransom. I think ransom fit, uh, fits underneath this. Is that we are set free from the power of sin and death. And in this, in this idea, sin is capital S, and D is capital. Or sorry, death is a capital D. As in their actual powers, represented by Satan, of course. And that when Jesus died on the cross, it exhausted the power that sin and death has in killing the son of God who had no sin. He did not deserve to die. In order to kill Jesus, Satan had to exhaust all of his power to do so. But then Jesus just casually walked out of the grave three days later. (laughs) And so we, if we are in Christ and forgiven, we are set free from those same powers and they no longer have any power over us and we can walk forward into the kingdom of God. And I, I think, and this is, Michael Bird also does this. He's a, He's a cheeky Australian theologian. Um, he does theology with a bit of, of jokes and stuff, and I, his stuff is fun. Probably an Australian accent, which probably makes it amazing. Yes, when I hear him on podcasts, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, he he suggests that the Christus Victor, or Christ as the Victor, is the umbrella into which all of the others can uh, can fit into. And so we talked about ransom being an aspect of that. Um, and I'm sure Drew has his own thoughts on that too, because I think a lot of us as, as evangelical Christians, we we focus on the the penal substitution kind of stuff. Yeah, and I don't think uh, we have to look at these as mutually exclusive. I like what you said about Christus Christus Victor as being the umbrella. You know, I think in, when we talk about the theories of atonement, it can be both and right. This mm-hmm. idea that you know Jesus has ransomed us from our sins. You know, Jesus talks about that. You know, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to become a ransom. And so the idea there um, fits within this idea of Christ also is the victor who set us free from the power of sin and death. Yeah, and the the biblical authors, especially New Testament, Paul, also uh, Peter and John, they 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 talk about these very fluidly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The one we talked about. We probably spent the most time on yesterday was this idea of uh, penal substitution, or um, you know the the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. And so like, you can talk about penal substitution as this idea that Jesus came to be the sacrifice on the cross, to take the punishment that we should have gone through or we deserve because of sin. And it's this, this concept of the ugliness of sin. And because we were all born into sin, we all have to pay punishment. There's a uh, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin are death. 
And so we all have this sin debt we carry now. And so the idea of Jesus coming and becoming the penal substitution for us or the substitutionary atonement means that he took our place on the cross. So when we should have paid for our sin debt, instead Jesus stood in as our substitute and began that process of mending the brokenness that was around us. And, um, you know, it's this concept that, yeah, God's holiness was violated and Jesus set the scales of justice right by going and taking that penalty from us and, and standing in our place. No, it's interesting to think about, especially Darren, with what you were saying earlier, watching your grandfather pass in hospice. I, I went through a similar situation in the last month or so with my dad passing in hospice. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about like the ultimate penalty for sin is death. And I think when you think about Christ conquering death, like there's a lot of other things we can conquer as human beings. But when someone, when you see the ultimate price of death and Jesus then walking out of the grave, that idea that he conquered that, like who else would you want to follow? Like, oh, he, you know, he conquered a splinter out of, you know, using a hammer. Well, that's not hard to conquer. I can get the splinter out myself. <laughs> oh, I you know, I conquered overweightness. I can go for a jog and eat better. I can do that. <laughs> it's like, but no, he conquered something that none of us can conquer on our own. Right. And so, mm-hmm. and so I just, when you use that and I, I can relate completely with that. I'm sure others that have seen loved ones pass, it's like, there's something that you said is broken there. That's not right. And Jesus is there on the cross going, I'm going to fix this for you. Yeah. And, and the Christian theology and the Bible says that like, like Karina's grandpa, my wife's grandpa will live again. Like yeah. that, what happened last um, Tuesday morning at 4 a.m. That's not the final say. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. So what's, what's the other theories for atonement here, Drew? What, what's the big picture on atonement as, as we wrap this up? Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's quite a few other thoughts you can think about. You know, there's this idea of like moral influence, you know, that Christ is our example. He empowers us to right living. Um, the reality is though, we, you know, you can't actually live for Jesus unless you've been broken free from, uh, and ransomed from sin. Um, and that gets back to this idea of, of Jesus being the victor who sets us free of the power of sin and death. So, you know, once you've been set free from the power of sin and death, now you can, you can follow Christ's example and you can live right. Uh, there's also the, the idea of recapitulation, it's a musical term. Yeah. Recapitulation. <laughs> but you know, that, you know, Adam, you know, Paul talks a lot about this in the book of Romans that Adam was the first man and Jesus comes as the second Adam. So Adam messed up. Jesus came to redeem where Adam messed up. And so all the things that Adam and henceforth mankind have done to fail, Jesus came and didn't fail. Jesus was tempted and he didn't fail. He was tempted by the enemy. He didn't fail. Jesus lived that perfect life that scripture calls us to that we can't. And so Jesus is the second Adam and he was obedient and faithful. And so now that, that Christ has victory over sin and death, you and I, he shows us the way forward and, and you and I can now live our best life. Or as we say here at Forefront, we can live that new life that we have in Jesus each and every day. No, that's, that's a great way to think about it, especially that the new life when you have that, you know, Christ in your life, what changes from the old to the new and being dead to ourselves and living in Christ. And so as we do the same things, as we continue on the thoughts with atonement, then what I've heard the term, term governmental and atonement, help me out with that. 
Yeah, this has to do with laws and, and kind of an, an old law and a new law, um, which I, I'm not super gung-ho about. I, I, I really like to think of it as a continuation where mm. everything falls under one law. Um, there's not an old and a new. But again, the idea is that from God's perspective as king or Jesus' perspective as king, our sin demanded punishment. Uh, and Christ's death was in the, the example of what we deserve. But his death in that moment established a new law, which is faith. Um, and but, but I think this breaks down a little bit. This can't be the full picture because the new law being faith and the old law being like rule keeping is not really what what the old covenant even was. It's all been faith. And, you know, Paul talks about that, you know, Abraham's righteousness was credited to him, or yeah, his, his faith was credited to him. Abraham had faith. Old Testament people had faith as well as New Testament folks. So, um, but the idea here is that, that again, Christ takes our place. He bears our guilt, suffers our punishment and atones for our sins in, in all, all those facets. And then as we wrap this up, like we use the term righteousness a lot. What's like, that's a very Christianese word. I never, I've never listened to top 40 radio and heard him, heard him use the term righteousness before. That's righteous, dude. Righteous. You haven't heard that? Yeah. But Beach righteousness, boys. right? I guess. Righteousness. Okay. But okay. If you go back to the nineties, I guess. Yeah. We can see how far oh, yeah. our culture's fallen in the last few years. Now we can't even Wayne's world's now out of style. That's right. Yeah, imputed righteousness is a really important concept, and I think it's a great place for us to land. If you think about Jesus as the, um, if you think about Jesus as the atonement, right? Jesus as the one who goes and pays the price for us on the sin uh, of our sin on the cross. He takes our place on the cross. Okay, so Jesus then takes our sin. What? makes us right in the eyes of God. He's taken our sin away, right? Well, the idea is that when Jesus does that, he imputes his righteousness. He gives his righteousness to us and he takes away our sin. And so that concept of imputed righteousness is that um, it's that the righteousness of Jesus is given to us as it was ours. So Jesus' righteousness is treated as if it was ours through our faith. And so that concept is when God looks at us now, he sees the righteousness of Christ. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But that's what he sees because it's been imputed to us. And I use the, just the, the very simple picture of it's like if you were in, you know, you, you owed $10 million to the bank and, and Jesus walks in, pays off your debt, and then puts $10 million in your account. You went from $10 million negative to $10 million positive. That's what Jesus does to us through faith. And so he imputes his righteousness on our behalf. And so now God looks at us and he sees us as, as holy and righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus done did for us. So it's a beautiful concept. And I think that's, you, you wonder, well, how do I, how am I right in the eyes of God? You know, a, a lot, man, mankind always wants to make it works based, right? We always want to, I mean, you can just look at, at, at world religions and you can see it's all about what I got to do to make God happy with me. And that's what makes the, the gospel so scandalous because it's like, no, God did it all for you. And he literally calls you just to believe. And so it's Ephesians 2, 8, right? You know, for by grace, we are saved through faith and not works. It's nothing that we have done. It's God's grace through our faith that saves us. So it's this beautiful, it's this beautiful picture, I think, that ties this idea of atonement together. 
I think that kind of also adds, like, it fits in the theology of what happens with the thief on the cross next to Jesus who will be with him in paradise that day. Our theology fits into what that guy, you know, it's exactly. like, I've heard that question before, like, how does that guy fit into your, you know, Christian belief system? And it's all done by grace, by faith. Mm-hmm. So exactly. as yeah. we wrap this up, Pastor Darren ends, any parting thoughts? Yeah, I might add to that a little bit. Um, faith or, or be, like there's a difference between belief and faith. Sometimes in Christians, as Christians, we, we uh, use those, those words uh, interchangeably where, where believing is just like this idea that we think about and we like say, oh yeah, that's true. But if we really believe it, that that's going to turn into faith, which is more tied to action. And James really homes in on the action part of it. So, um, if someone says, "Oh, you just got to have more faith," and and someone someone who only thinks that that faith is believing, they're like gonna f- try to force their brain to like next level <laughs> cognitive acceptance, and that's just not that's just not what we're talking about. And that's really really damaging. I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, someone told this person, or someone told me, I just got to have more faith," and so I'm just really trying to believe. It's like, well, no, 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 no. You believe, like I've seen you in church, I've seen you pray, I've seen you do, I've seen you be a part of the the body of Christ. What that what that should mean, and I, I'm still not going to tell someone that they need more faith because I think that's <laughs> this is false. Yeah. Um, because it's actually the faith of Jesus that we're talking about. Like we we put our faith in the faith of Jesus and what He did for us. It's not what Jesus believed; it's what He did for us. And so sometimes our faith is just requiring us to walk forward. And, and and trust that God is going to be with us. And that's the, the quote, more faith that we need. It's living our lives. It's walking forward in full acceptance and belief that his that what he did impacts us and can save us and redeem us. Yeah, I love that. You know, I just want to kind of add, you know, my thoughts on that too, Darren. I think it's so good. You know, there's that, there's that story where after Jesus and his disciples, you know, he takes James, John and Peter up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they come down and they meet this dad who's got his, his son, who's got an, you know, an unclean spirit. And he walks over to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, if you can, if you can cast this demon out, you know, you, you, you can, you can help me. And, and if you can do it, you know, and Jesus says to him, if I can, you know, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the, the, the dad cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. And I think what Darren said is really good. You know, part of this idea of faith, it's trust. It's, um, it's this idea like I'm going to put one foot out and I'm going to walk, right? When Peter sees Jesus walking on the water, he's like, Peter, he's like, Call me to walk to you. And, and Peter's walking on the water to Jesus until he lo- looks down and he loses his footing and Jesus grabs him. You know, so it's the idea like this dad says, I believe, but help my unbelief. One of the ways that we grow in our faith is by living it, right? It's by stepping out and trusting. And the more we step out and trust, the more we see, man, Jesus is so real and he's so good and he's always there, even when it's not the answer that I was hoping to receive. So yeah, Darren, I love, I love that. I just, that idea, like we, we, ha- we believe, but faith without works is dead. As James says, like we believe, but the, the way we see our belief in action is by actually stepping out and following Jesus and, and trusting him in our, in the way we live our lives. No, I think that's a great way to think about it. A great way to wrap this up guys. Thank you so much for your time this week. If you have thoughts, when you've heard about, heard this, if you're listening Email us life at forefrontchurch.tv or if you're at Forefront on the weekend, feel free to 
Use a connection card, fill out the information, write your question there, and drop it in the box in the back. We'd love to hear from you questions or thoughts you may have on this topic or topics we've covered in the past. So once again, Pastor Darren Enns, thank you so much. Very welcome. My pleasure. Pastor Drew Tarwater, thank you so much. So good, guys. And I'm Rob Blasey. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.